0: Welcome back to Counted as Cast. You are now listening to a special edition of our podcast. So, in addition to the normal chapters where I go through the narrative of the Battle of Athens, I'll also be delving into subjects that I kind of think of as footnotes or endnotes or other notes. In this case, I'm giving you a kind of annotated bibliography of what I did in order to research this subject. I think the research project is interesting on its own. And I wouldn't call researching the Battle of Athens a descent into madness, but on the other hand, I have never seen a corpus of sources about a historical event quite as eclectic as this one. The bulk of my sources are listed in the show notes for this podcast. This will be the only place that I list them just out of simplicity, and so that people who are looking for it can find it. I've tried my best to document everywhere I pulled information from besides basic history and so on. When you look at the work cited, you'll see a lot of newspaper articles from the period. A lot of them come from the Nashville Tennessean, for instance, and I cast the net wide trying to learn more about figures like Paul Cantrell. More than anything, I wish I had time to hang out in Athens at the archives of the Daily Post-Athenian. The biggest gap in this history probably comes from my lack of sourcing from the Athenian itself. That was the local newspaper that was reporting on the events, well, as close as you could get. That said, I do not have infinite money or infinite time to invest in this podcast. I have a day job. So I've tried to make up for that using other sourcing. This story deserves a deeper dive into those sources. Hopefully somebody will do it. I had originally planned to do an entire character study of J.B. Collins, the Chattanooga Times journalist who was such a great addition to the story. He had the picture of the almost throat-slitting, he was arrested and thrown in the jail. I mean, this guy was right at the center of things. The other figure that would be fascinating to examine would be Chuck Redfern at WLAR, the local radio station, given that radio was a new medium for them. And I'm interested in sound broadcasts, I guess you could say, considering I'm doing a podcast from the office in my own house. Anyway, it would be nice to dive into those stories, but if you're at all interested, this is your encouragement to go get it. At this point, let me tell you about some of my principal sources. The rest of my sources, again, are in the show notes. First off, The Battle of Athens by Anna Faktorovich. So when I started to investigate this story, I did what I usually do. I hit the books. I found out later that I probably would have been wiser to try periodicals first, but, well, you live and learn. Plenty of articles were written about the Battle of Athens that portrayed it in a straightforward way. On the other hand, you can get a lot of information from strange and unusual sources. The printed literature about the Battle of Athens is already weird. I studied history back in college and read around plenty of subjects. A lot of academic books are tomes that try to cover it all. Or you can pick up a piece that might be more narrow in scope. One of the three books that you can purchase on the Battle of Athens at this time is The Battle of Athens by Anna Vaktorovich, which is a book of poetry published in 2009. I remember being disappointed when I saw that there was only three books, but then I read this little poetry book in a single sitting, because it's not long, and I got an interesting and chronological look at the events with a lot of embellishment. But the thrust of the story, The Battle of Athens, was there, a nonpartisan group of young but weathered GIs pitted against an establishment politician and his goon squad of deputies. Faktorovich isn't a bad poet. Some of the events, like the shooting of Tom Gillespie, alarmed me, and she gets the spirit, and she does her research. So I can recommend this book. Now, one thing that Faktorovich keeps emphasizing was the role that alcohol played in the conflict. She seems to imply that there was a lot of drinking going on. I haven't seen that anyplace else, and it would be interesting to hear more about it. In the poetry, the feelings of the moment do come across. You get the gist, and you learn the players. In the end, it was worth coming into the subject through this little book first, because, while well, the Battle of Athens is kind of an oddball. Next up, The Battle of Athens by Dr. Stephen Byram, a.k.a. in this podcast, The Red Book. Of the three books available, I thought Byram's would be the most straightforward. Byram is an academic, a philosopher, and a theologian who taught at Chattanooga State for 22 years. The book, and mine has a bright red cover and a section with some killer photos of the battle, comes across in an academic air. The subject is quite close to Byram because he grew up in Athens. But reading it, I got the feeling that I actually wasn't the audience, right, Yankee, coming from Pennsylvania, researching an event that happened in a small town. No, I wasn't the audience. It's actually really hard to describe what I'm saying. But it felt a little like that moment we all have when we answer someone who wasn't talking to us. Okay, bear with me for a second. You know, you're on the street and someone says, hey, how are you? And you answer, I'm good, thanks. And the person who asked the question looks at you like you're crazy and says, I wasn't talking to you. Yeah, if you ever had that happen, those are the moments that I think about years later. But that was the feeling when I was reading this book, because I'm firmly of the belief that this book wasn't really for a general audience. It was for the native Athenian, and it was in response to local history, local legends, local rumors about the battle. For instance, Byram takes a lot of time to dispel rumors about the battle. More than once, he actually disputes the existence of machine gunners on the roof of buildings in Athens including that they may have come from neighboring Polk County. He says twice, at least, that no machine gunners existed. Characters come walking by in the story in very quick succession. Some are talked about once and then not spoken of again. Other characters are referred to using only pronouns, he, she, and then not spoken about with their actual names. And in terms of structure, the first half of the book reads as an analysis of events both before and after the battle, while the second half deals with the event itself in semi-chronological order. So in a way, this book is almost the 201, right? The The secondary class on the Battle of Athens, rather than the 101 class. You'd seem to need some familiarity with the subject in order to really tackle the book and in order to appreciate the book from beginning to end. Now, I went into it with the poetry book under my belt, in other words, not much. So I returned to Byron actually later when I started to get more of the events uh, sort of in the back of my head, and then I can tackle the Red Book. But back to the local importance. Judging from the national prominence of the event, everyone in Athens likely had something to say about it and probably still does too. Byron was just putting his word in. I don't think the book is inadequate, but it did demonstrate that the story was going to be complicated by factors of recollection, personality, small-town politics, and the fog of war. All that said, it has probably the most and most exhaustive research on Athens, McMinn County, the Tennessee political machine, and this is the book you're going to get if you want the broad overview. You won't find anything nearly as researched. If you leapt into it without the expectations of reading something for popular consumption, you'll actually get quite a lot out of it. I would have preferred citations and footnotes, but that wasn't the style. And, heck, I was just taking whatever I could get. In the end, the Red Book made my job as a podcaster much easier. Now, the bad news about the book. It's out of print. I paid over $100 for it. That said, I got a brand new copy with the bright red dust jacket, and now you know it is the Red Book. Next up is Swifter Than Eagles, a.k.a. The Cookbook by Howard Cook. This is the third book I read. Remember this one, Cookbook, right? I talked about it. I had one listener accidentally think it was the uh, so-called Anarchist Cookbook. No, 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 no. This is Swifter Than Eagles, The Cookbook. Like the red book, this thing is out of print, and the copy I got was actually number 67 and was signed by the author. Yeah, awesome, great. It's also quite expensive. And, well, I really need some sponsors for this podcast, I'm telling you. The title, Swifter Than Eagles, might be biblical. There's Jeremiah 4.13. Behold, he shall come up as clouds, and his chariots shall be as whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe unto us, for we are spoiled. The novel, and it is a novel, focuses on a man named Bill White, an ex-GI at the periphery of the Battle of Athens. Just kidding, you already know Bill White. Come on, you've already listened to the podcast, right? He, in many ways, was the Battle of Athens. This author, Howard Cook, describes his book as a nonfiction novel. Practically, that means you get the story of Bill White in narrative form. So how did Cook decide to approach the subject this way? I don't know. I don't get it. He does have some other narrative fiction novels, like one called The Weed in the Winter Solstice, which has a large marijuana plant and an open green eye above it, like the one on top of the pyramid on the dollar bill. That one's also called The Hillbilly Gone with the Wind. So anyway, interesting stuff, but Swifter Than Eagles, the cookbook. In the beginning of the book, Cook claims in a first-person narrative right, that then switches to a a third-person narrative, that he was given exclusive access to a series of tapes produced by Bill White, who as a young man was at the Battle of Athens and as an old man had recorded his recollections. Cook plays the part of an actual grudging observer, who eventually was won over by Bill White's stoic character and incredible story. This is about as unusual as the poetry book, in my opinion. But moving on, you begin with Bill White as a young man. You hear his thoughts on the Cherokee exodus at the hands of the Jackson administration. I talk about a few of those things in the podcast, but there's a lot to dig into as a character study. You'll occasionally get nice, thick quotes from Bill White himself, hopefully artifacts of the supposed tapes that White passed on to Howard Cook. The novel goes into great detail about his experiences in the Pacific. This actually was the most compelling part of the book to me. You get the feeling that Cook was on the edge of his seat hearing Bill White's war stories. The last third of the book or so deals with Bill's involvement in the Battle of Athens upon coming home. This has even less sources cited than the Byram book, which had few to begin with. It also, unfortunately, slips into the fog of war. In the space of 20 pages about the same events you look at when you look at other books, Cook introduces a dozen characters. It's wild. It took me a few pages to realize why Cook was introducing that many characters. He is also from Athens in McMinn County, so he was actually a boy when the conflict happened. So once again, we have a book written by an insider, a native Athenian, about this conflict that a whole bunch of people saw. In the end, I didn't rely on this book very much. I found a lot of it contradicted other sources that I felt were more reliable, The principal source I used on Bill White, for instance, was the oral history, which I'll describe now. An interview with Bill White for the Veterans Oral History Project, Center for the Study of War and Society, Department of History, the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. Some people have a red-letter Bible. That's when the Savior's words are highlighted in red, because you don't mince words, right? You're dealing right with the original material, no interpretation needed. This oral history, a product of a history department trying to capture some stories for posterity, was absolutely invaluable. This was my red-letter Bible when it came to Bill White. It was recorded in Athens in July of the year 2000. In it, I feel like Bill's character really comes across. When he tells his stories, you see very little interruption by the moderators. They're captivated. He talks in detail about his difficult life in Tennessee, his rough upbringing, his time fighting in the Pacific... then he delves into the Battle of Athens and his homecoming. It's detailed, it's spirited, it's harrowing. I really recommend getting this. It's free online, it's a free PDF. You can print out the whole thing and you will get a real compelling picture of a guy living in just a fantastic time, right? You go from the Great Depression to war to this battle to his life afterwards. One thing Bill has during this interview that he mentions, so he must have it in the room with him, is a file of old newspaper clippings, articles, and photos that he brought to the interview. I would love to get my hands on that thing. This, again, is highly recommended reading, and in terms of how I came to the story, I think sticking with Bill White as a main character, as a principal character, is one of the best ways to approach it. There are other ways, I'm not saying any other way of approaching this story is wrong, but I just think Bill White's the great... The great figure in this story and that if you're going to look for red letters and you're going to look for a testimony from somebody who was there, it's great to stick with him. And this oral history project is really a matter of posterity. I'm glad they collected it. Finally, we have our last source I want to talk about with annotations, and that is An American Story. This is the Hallmark movie. Yes, the Hallmark movie we talked about during the podcast, available right now online You can get yourself a DVD of this uh, classic. But if you're looking for an accurate portrayal of the conflict, it's a little lacking on facts. Not on drama, but on facts. First of all, the Bill White character becomes the son of a local politician. Well, kind of. He's more of an amalgam of a couple characters. Tom Sizemore, yes, that Tom Sizemore, is the PTSD-riddled friend who runs for office but has a nervous breakdown in the process. Tom Gillespie's story of racism at the ballot box is changed. It's changed into a racially charged reaction to a decorated Hispanic GI. While it makes for good TV, and I do think that there was probably quite a lot of discrimination of returning GIs, I don't really understand why you would change the Tom Gillespie story. Why would you change the entire story, right? They've changed the location to Texas instead of Tennessee, the characters are these weird combinations of various G.I.s we've mentioned, including those Republican operatives. The movie doesn't get into the partisanship, but portrays the entire conflict as being this, you know, under underdog G.I.s versus the corrupt town, which is fine. But the story is a little bit more complicated, I think, more interesting than that. But I, I don't think I can get too picky. There's a romance. There's a standoff at the jail with a bunch of guns. There's some heartfelt conversations about how you can't go home again, about how coming back to, to the United States after the war is just a brutal undertaking. I'll tell you what, you get yourself a six-pack of beer, you get this Hallmark movie, you sit down and you watch it. It's a good time. You're not learning a ton about it, but, you know, it's just another one of these strange sources that surrounds the Battle of Athens. So I appreciate you listening. Again, nice and short podcast for you. Uh, this is just a, you know, sprinkling of some of the sources that I examined along the way. Again, please, if you're doing research on it, uh, you can you can check out the show notes here. I would encourage you to get in touch with me. Uh, there's plenty of ways to do that online. But, you know, I'm happy to help you out if you're trying to, to shorten the way to your own discoveries with the Battle of Athens. Thanks a lot for listening.